going to pray, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask uh, Brother Chris if you would open us up in prayer, please. Amen. Okay, let's start in Judges chapter 2. Let's go to the book of Judges and go to chapter 2. <coughs> go ahead and find Judges chapter 2 and go ahead and find Joshua. Okay, y'all ready? Oh, let me let you find Judges chapter 2. I'm sorry. Okay, Judges chapter 2. Joshua, everybody ready for Joshua? Don's ready for Joshua, but is everybody else ready for Joshua? Joshua 4 and 5, chapters 4 and 5. Judges chapter 2, Joshua chapter 4 and 5. We will backtrack to Judges chapter 1 as well. Okay, so let's begin reading. Now the angel of the Lord... And this is in Judges chapter 2. I'm sorry. Judges chapter 2. We're going to start in Judges chapter 2. <coughs> now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim. And he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Verse 2. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Now stop. So we're, we're getting a question from the angel of the Lord. And actually, this is the Lord that we're getting a question from. He's, he's saying, uh, first off, what we want to address is he came up from Gilgal to Bochum. Okay? He came up from Gilgal to Bochum. And then he, he reminded Israel, this is what we did. This is what I did. Uh, so let's look at verse. Let's look at verse one again. I brought you up I, in verse one. He says, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land. I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, verse two, and that, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And verse two says, and as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. So we're fighting this winning battle. All right. And sometimes you feel like you're losing that battle. Do you ever feel like you're losing sometimes? You just get overwhelmed. You get stressed out. You get, hey, Brother Tom, Judges chapter 2. You get stressed out. You, you ever feel like you're losing the battle, honestly? Okay? Do you ever feel like you're tired of fighting the battle? Yeah, I, amen, I do, okay? But we know God strengthens us. But here, here we have a situation where Israel 
has gone and they've gone into their inheritance. And then we have a situation where they didn't obey God. They've gone into their inheritance and they didn't obey God. I want you to equate this to something. okay? It would be like us getting into heaven and not rejoicing and celebrating Jesus. Getting into your inheritance and not obeying God. How could you do that? Can you even fathom that getting into heaven and not shouting, not praising God? Can you imagine that? No, you, you can't. But it's what we do every day because we're living according to the promise, the promise of what? Of redemption, of hope, all these things. We have all of these things. And so Israel is suffering from the same thing. He said and he gives them these commandments. He says, and as for you, you shall you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall not tie yourself at all to them. What does a covenant do? It's a promise, but it give me your hand. It, it, it holds you to it binds you to, to to God. When God makes a covenant with us, guess what he's done? He's binding himself to us. OK, he's binding. He's literally attaching himself to us. And so he's telling he's telling Israel and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. And then look at the next part. You shall tear down their altars. In other words, he's saying you will get rid of what is going to bind you to them. Tearing down their altars, tearing down their forms of worship, getting all of these things. I want you to get rid of them. Because as long as you enjoy what they're doing, you are bound to them. Okay? It's like me getting married and then having a girlfriend on the side, right? And she's shaking her head. I don't even have to look. I know she's shaking her head. I don't have to look. Her eyes rolled, everything. Yeah, steam, all that stuff was released. But that's the thing. You, you can't do that. And God is saying this is what you you can't have this. I don't want you to have it. I don't want you to. I don't even want you to experience it. God is telling you, I don't even want you to experience it. But they did. Now, we, we're going somewhere with this. I know this sounds familiar, but but hold on, because there's a key statement up here. If we go back to verse one. In chapter two, now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal, came up. From Gilgal. Well, what is Gilgal? What is that? We'll go back to Joshua chapter 4. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 4. You're right. And the whole Joshua chapter 4. The whole, here's a point that we're going to get out of this. In Joshua chapter 4. Starting in verse 19. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the first month and camped at where? Gilgal. On the eastern edge of Jericho. Now look at look at verse 20. It's key. Those 12 stones which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up where? Now, what were the 12 stones set up for? As a tribe, but also as a memorial. They were a memorial. What is a memorial? Huh? Something to remember. Very good. A memorial to remind them what? Okay, look at verse 21. He's, 
Yeah, right. Let's look at verse 21. He said to the sons of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are those stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, Gilgal is an important place. Now, hold chapter 4. Don't lose it. Go back to Joshua, I mean, Judges chapter 2. Look where the angel of the Lord came up from. That's where he was. They worship God at Gilgal. The angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal. Israel has started their straying, and they left God at where? Gilgal. In other words, they left him at the memorial, and they forgot about the memorial. And they forgot about what God had done. Now, look at, let's read Judges chapter 2. Let's keep reading. And he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. There's a comma there. Get this. What's the memorial at Gilgal for? To remind them what? He brought them up out of Egypt. Now, he came from Gilgal to remind them what he had told them back in chapter, what Joshua told them in chapter 4 of Joshua, that this should be a reminder. And the very fact that the judge, that judges mentions that he comes up from Gilgal is telling you the importance because Israel had to remember and needed to remember where they strayed from. Okay? There was not any, there was not any, acknowledgement anymore in in Israel about what God had done it is it was fading away okay that's part of the problem in our winning battle and this is going to be the chronic problem and the constant theme the consistent theme that we're going to see all throughout judges okay remember I told you there's victory there's defeat there's victory there's defeat there's victory and there's defeat well why is there victory and there's their defeat all the time because because they're in and out of obedience. They're obedient. They're, they, they, God is back right there. They're disobedient. Guess what? God is having a discipline. They become disobedient um, obedient again. What does God do? He's going to come back and he's going to pull their, pull their, you know, shoes out of the fire here. Okay, let's, all right, here you are again. And it's important that we remember in our winning battle where we left God when we have our struggles. And then what's even more important is when we remember where we left God, how we respond. That's key. Wow. Has, who here has ever just said, whoa, wait a minute, something's not right? Have you ever said that? Who here has ever said something's not right? Okay, something's not right. You don't know what it is at this moment, but something's not right. Things are just not clicking in my life. Have you heard that? Have you said that before? Okay. And then what do you, what's your next step after that? What is your next step after that? You, if, <laughs> very good, Don. If you're smart, you'll ask God. Now look what happens in chapter 2 God of Judges. God has to come up on his own. God has to come up on his own. Okay? Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal. 
See, the people weren't weeping about their errors, weren't weeping about their, 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 their problems. They weren't weeping about any of that. The people were just living the life that they wanted to live, how they wanted to live it, what they deemed appropriate, what they deemed correct, what they approved of. That's what they were. Li- Everything was right. They did what was right in their own eyes, their own sight. Right. And so they never acknowledged to God that, hey, God, we've strayed. They never did that. They forgot about the memorial. Thank you, Ms. Linda. Exactly. They forgot about the memorial that they set up. Now go back to Joshua chapter 4. <clears throat> now, keep in mind. Look at verse 19 again. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. Go to verse uh, 22. Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry, dry ground. Now, look what happened. The instruction was given, inform your children of what happened back at Gilgal. But Gilgal wasn't in the lives of the children of Israel in Judges. You see what I'm saying? I want you to go over to chapter 5, and I want you to go to verse 8 in Joshua. Chapter 5, verse 8 in Joshua. Now, when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called what? To that day. But they're about to pick up their reproach again. Why? They straight the disobedience once again. Now, keep in mind what happened here when those men we talked about this um, message a few weeks ago, when those men got circumcised, what was the circumcision for? What did it do? What did circumcision do? Well, no, I'm making weak. It, it, it identified them as who? Children of Israel. Because no one else got circumcised. Only the children of Israel got circumcised. So it identified them. Now, I don't know about y'all. That's why I'm glad circumcision happens when we're little. little, Because I don't, I mean, I'm a grown man getting circumcised. I'm going to remember that, right? (laughs) David remembers it. Yeah, your David remembers it. I mean, every time you go to the restaurant, like, wow, that happened. I need to pay attention. Seriously, though. And that means if, if that reminds you then guess what? And if you're the leader of your home, guess what you're going to do? You're going to remind your family of what happened because you have been identified and you've been set apart for God. Okay? Now that's the key. That's why, now go back to Joshua. Go to chapter 2 again. Go to Joshua chapter 2 and and look at verse 2. And he says this. Now if you're set apart for God, And he says, and as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. First off, don't go into dealing with the inhabitants of this land. And then he says, and you shall tear down their altars. Anything that's not built to worship God the way he has designed it, the way he purposed it, that is not of God and it's not for you to worship. And their altars in that land were not destined to worship our living God. Okay? Israel forgot about Gilgal, and they forgot about their circumcision. 
You see, the circumcision identified them as God's people. And that means that the head or the father or the husband or the master of the house was identified as God's people. Everything that he owned and everything that was of him was was belonging to God as well. Okay, so when that head strayed and started allowing other altars and other things coming in, guess what happened? The the rest of it's going to stray as well. Right. See, and so this is where their failure happened, okay? They forgot about the memorial. They forgot about what God had done, and then they forgot that they were set apart for God. And God was right there at Gilgal where they left him. Go back to chapter 1 in Joshua. Verse 27. Chapter 1 and verse 27. In in Judges, I'm sorry, Judges, Judges, Judges. Chapter 1 in Judges. My mistake, my mistake, my mistake. Y'all know I do this about once or twice every service. Please forgive me, okay? Y'all just like you're ready to, I I do need that pulpit back up here to shield me from when y'all going to rush me, you know, have a little bit more. Joshua, Judges chapter 1, verse 27. But Manasseh did not take possession of Beth Shean and its villages, or Teanach and Notch and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ibling and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. So the Canaanites persisted in living in that land. Now, we talked about this before. These tribes didn't completely purge. God gave them the land, but remember what I talked to you about before? The tribes were supposed to go in and take the land and start cleaning it out. Remember the house analogy? The house may be empty, may not be anyone in it, but you're still going to go in and clean. You're still going to go in and wipe out the counters. You're going to get all that stuff that may be, le- you're going to do that, right? Okay, that's what's going to happen. They didn't do that. Why didn't they do that? We're lazy. Miss Linda said lazy. And, and to be honest with you, yes, that kind of is a point. Because if you think about our issues today in the 21st century, why do we have problems worshiping and, and obeying God? Why? Why? We take on too much. And, we, then, and then we forget, you see, so Israel gets in this mindset, we got this land, let's go, we're going to do this, we're going to go about our way, it's ours now, God, thank you very much, you've done what you're going to do, now I'm going to go and do what I want to do, God. And then when we end up doing, sir, I'm sorry, go ahead, Tom. I, oh, you. Yeah, too many things. And then when we get busy going with all that stuff, we find ourselves forgetting about a lot of different things. And then we find ourselves overwhelmed with what? More of the things that, that really aren't important. They may seem important, okay? Everything that you're involved in, everything you got going on, it may seem important, but it shouldn't cause you to forget God. Do what now? We can't forget we're free, and so we have to be willing to take whatever it is and, and walk away from it. That's why God says, take and destroy those altars. Get rid of them. 
because all they're going to do is going to be a hindrance and a snare to you. Okay, they're going to cause you not to be who you need to be. That's the whole point behind it. Okay, and when we do that. So and everybody here, most people here can say they got a lot of clutter in their lives. They're just busy, busy, busy. I mean, try to have a conversation with Don. He'll, he's going to give you all the attention that he can. But you know what's going to happen? That thing on his side is going to go off. And he's going to answer it, right? But, but one thing that Don does, though, when he's involved in doing God, that phone can ring all day long. You see? It can ring all day long because he's doing God. But if you are doing, and it's the same, th- I'm the same way. If I'm doing God, that phone can ring all day long. But if I'm doing a bunch of different other tasks, I'm cutting the grass, I'm washing dishes, um, I'm watching TV, um, I'm laughing at the kids, I see something funny on the, on, 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 on the phone, the kids are sending a joke, all of that's going on, and then something else happens, I go and I do that too. So I've added all that stuff in, right? We, we alluded to this in Sunday school. I've added all that stuff in. But when I'm really just focused on God, I'm just doing God. And see, that's what God, when you really get into it, okay, especially like when we talk about mission work and all these other things, you know, it, it's you, 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 all, you, all you have time for when you're focused on God is God. That's it. And if you ever get to that point, you, you realize it. How many of you have ever just been studying the word of God and didn't let anybody interrupt you? How many of you have done that before? At least once in your life. You've been stu- at least once you've been in, no, stop, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, Bonnie's been studying it before, and it's like, hey, sweetheart, you want to go get on the mule, and let's go do a wasp, uh, you know, what I do is we got wasp spray, and I'll go up, and I'll do a wasp walk, in other words, I go around my mother's house, my mother-in-law's house, and get, get all the wasps, and she's, no, I'm doing this, I'm doing, and it may, they may not be that specific situation, but if, if she's truly studying, she won't let me get in the way of that. She won't. Exactly. And, and, and Israel didn't do that. OK. And so what happened was they got the land. They were tired from battle and they're like, OK, God, I just want to do what I want to do. How many of you have said that? I just want to do what I want to do. And he will let you do what you want to do. But when you say, Lord, I just want to do what you want to do, that's a different story. And then all of those other altars don't get built in your life. Okay? All of those other altars do not get built in your life when you say, God, I just want to do. And, then, and I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, a, I'm saying this. But, Brother David, we got to eat. We got to live. We got to do these things. But you got to learn how to get your joy from God and not the things. The other things. Because the other things, they, they are snares. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Very good point. A stumbling block. If, okay, let me see your notebook, Miss. I'm not going to read your notes. You know, I'm just saying, you know, most people don't like people to look at their handwriting, so start seeing weird things, get nervous and think they're psychopaths. 
Mm. No, just kidding. Anyway, no. <laughs> no, he has serial killers. He's a serial killer. Yeah, here's the thing. You know, if you, you have that notebook and you're doing what you want with it, okay, then it could go e- any kind of way. But if God, now I'm not God, and thank God David's not here, but if God hands this to you and says, here, take this and take note, and then you do what God is telling you to do with it, it, it ties you to me. You know what I mean? Because I'm taking that. So it's not that you can't have this thing. It's not that you can't have this thing. But I want you to have this thing for me. You see what I'm saying? You see, th- but we go out and try to get more things for me, instead of letting God give us the things for him, for us. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? Because what happens is that thing, when, when, when it becomes, when it gets right, guess what it does? It keeps cycling through. It, it doesn't stay with you long. And your desires get lined up with God. And it's like, hey, this is great. It's passing through. Let's keep it going. And next thing, God, I've moved it on, God. What's the next thing? You see, we want we, we spend our lives trying to get more things our way when, when if we let God give them to us. Uh, if he sees us passing things on through, he's going to keep funneling them on through. And it's not just a, a material thing, but the peace, the joy, the laughter, the all of these things, the celebration, all of that. If we keep he's just going to give us more and more reasons to celebrate. And when we start building all these other altars in our in our lives. And God wants us at this altar, but we've taken everything else and put it, made it an altar. He's not going to compete with that. He doesn't have to compete with that, and he will not compete with it. But he will, and this is why he's correcting Israel, because back in chapter 5, verse 8, when those men were uh, circumcised, he will get his property to do what he wants it to do. You hear what I'm saying? I say property, but you know what I mean. His people, you belong to me, and you're going to do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah, so guess what? Get it together that when God is, the children of Israel would have enjoyed their their land a lot more if they had just cleaned the house the way God told them to. You can enjoy your life a lot more if you would just live it the way God is telling you to. Okay? But when everything that God is asking you to do is a struggle, or you, you're like, I can't do that, I, I, I can't do this, I can't do that, then guess what you're telling God? God, I can't do what you've equipped me to do. The equipment you gave me don't work, God. But it does work if you do it the way I'm telling you to do it. What, what do you think about church right now? What do, you, what do you think about this church right now? What do you think? Is this church working or not? Is it? Right. He's, you see, why? Because well, guess what we're starting to do? We're starting to do it the way he designed it. Put him first and go go out into the community and serve others. And y'all sacrifice, right? And then guess what? How many of you enjoy coming here or are you just coming here because you know what? How many? Of you, if you don't enjoy coming here, then stop coming, okay? 
I mean, I hate to say that. It's the truth, though. I would hope that you would enjoy coming because you're getting what God wants you to have. And then you're taking what God wants you to have and, and saying, I'm going to use it. It's, it's, it's the same. It's equivalent to taking the word of God and saying, oh, I got it. <laughs> and nobody else can have it but me. Well, guess what that means? I made myself an altar because I've made myself the only one worthy of this. Danger, danger, danger. So, now that I've kind of soapboxed you a little bit, go back to chapter 2 in Judges, verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3 in Judges. Go back to chapter 2. Let's get ourselves tied back in here. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. So get all the junk. I don't want it there. But you have not obeyed me. Then he asked the question, what is this you have done? Now he knows what they've done. He wants them to answer, what is this you have done? And then he's also saying, I know what you've done. And I, before you can even answer, go to verse 3. Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you. But they will become as thorns and in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. How many of us are trapped? How many of us are trapped? Where's Spiritus? We're trapped by almighty old, old Android here. All right. I mean, just what we talked about this before. Drive down the road. How many people do you see doing this? You know, that's a trap, right? We're, we're trapped by bigger, brighter, flashier, more distractions. We're trapped by our politics. Right. We're trapped by our opinions. We think our opinion rules, doesn't it? I, I, show me in the Bible where God cared about your opinion. Please tell me. Show me where he cares about your opinion. Please. Where? But we, we are trapped by that. So there'll be a snare to you. Okay? There'll be a snare. All right? Everything that's going on, basic things we know. I've taught it over and over again, but I have to keep reminding us because these things creep in in different ways. Now, I want to take it just a little bit deeper now since we know the phones and the cars and the gizmos and the gadgets and the shopping. All that stuff is a snare to us. What does it really mean is the true snare? Us. Thank you. Our desire to do other things is the real trap. And it becomes painful because guess what? You want to continue to do other things and you can never get satisfied by the other things. So the real snare is your desire to do other things other than what God has designed you to do. Because yeah. can't nobody find one that they like? No, they don't. There's a, there's a ton. And then here's the other deal here. And then we get tired of our own religion, so we make up another one. And those religions keep growing and growing and growing and growing. Y'all, it's not going to stop there. Yeah, yeah, opinions come to religion. Hey, look, look, pedophilia is about to become a sexual orientation. Pedophilia is about to become a sexual orientation because I make God made me this way. He made me desire children. 
That is not a sexual orientation. No more than homosexuality is a sexual orientation. It, he did not. He didn't design it that way. But because we have gone down this road, you see, he is allowing us. And so Romans chapter one is true. He gave them over to a depraved mind. He's giving us over to that depraved mind. Even when you don't go as go as extreme as a pedophilia and homosexuality, he is saying, listen, I'm going to I'm going to let that be your snare. Keep doing that. But you know what? Anything that you put before him. Well, it is. But here's the thing. See what see what it is. Our desire to do what we want, whether it's sexual or material or whatever. It all boils down to what we want to do. And it becomes that snare. And. And, that, and, and so and so and that's why God wants you to be able to strip away everything for him. He wants you to be able to strip away everything. If listen, y'all, if I just enjoyed air conditioning, OK, and all you know, everywhere I go, I had to have air conditioning and it had to be this and it had to be that and it had to be that and it had to be that. And had, if I do just that, guess what? That's me desiring to the point where it's become what? I can't for, I can't worship God because we don't have I can't function. We don't have air. I can't preach. Yeah. Can't go to Africa. Hannah. Just trust me. You can't go to Kentucky because there wasn't a lot of air up there either. But, you know, and that's the whole thing. So what if, you know, if I if if, if I desire to preach in an atmosphere, what if I just only would des- my desire was only to pastor churches that had blue carpet? It would be really weird. And also it would be, what if God said, okay, we're going to let you go to a church that has a blue carpet. Go ahead and go. He's a jealous God. But here's the whole point. I go to that church that has blue carpet and it's full of more demons and hell than I could ever imagine. And I'm like, well, there's your blue carpet. And then then guess what I have to do? I have to start bowing down. Well, make sure you don't make sister so-and-so mad. Because she likes to chew her gum and smack it real loud. And she wants to pop. Instead of saying amen, she wants to blow a bubble and pop it. That's her amen. Make sure you don't don't tell her that because she's a good tither. See, that's what it could lead to because all I desire is the blue carpet. I can't preach in a church that's got red carpet. It blocks my mood. Yeah. So, so get it. Get this. Look at verse 3. Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they will become as thorns in in your side and their God will be a snare to you. And now look. Keep in mind. Back when they crossed the Jordan, back when they were circumcised at Gilgal, that's where God was and that's where they were willing to serve him. You you were willing to be circumcised as a grown 34, 40 year old man. You are carrying stones out of the Jordan. You are listening to Joshua. You have no one in front of you but God, and everything is going well. But the moment you left Gilgal and you left God, everything became a thorn and a snare to you. How many of you can't even get sleep at night because you got your mind going all the time? Huh? 
I mean, Brother Charles, you ain't got to do nothing but sit all day, and you still can't sleep, can you? I see, you know, because you get too much going on. Your mind is constantly gone because your life is trapped by everything else. Because you're constantly thinking about how to preserve this and preserve that. And God is just saying, get it, just walk away from it. Just walk away. So, he says this to them. Joshua says, remember these stones are a memorial because God brought you across on dry ground, the Jordan, and he brought you out of Egypt and brought you across the Red Sea on dry ground. And then, guess what? He circumcised you on dry ground. <laughs> but no, he circumcised you here at Gilgal. Gilgal is the place. And then we find in Judges chapter 2, verse 1, that God has to come up from Gilgal and remind them, hey, I'm still back here at Gilgal. You know, <laughs> you consider move Gilgal is a pretty good place. So then here's what happens. Now, go to the next verse in Judges chapter 2. You ready? Verse 4. When the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people lift up their voices and did what? Because they recognized again that they left God. They realized, I... I didn't do what you told me to, God. Oh, whoa. weeping comes from your spine. I mean, it comes deep down in there. But here's the key, though. Now, it, this may not be news to y'all. It's not a new sermon, but uh, I want you to get something here. Get this. Understand this. God had to come and remind them. There's a difference when God has to remind you and then you remind yourself. And get it back in line. Because you see, God God told them in a way where they wept. And we should be able to weep on our own as well. We should recognize where we are, how we are, and that we left God somewhere. Old message, but we left him somewhere. And that then we, then we took it and then we said, okay, God, let's fill it up with a bunch of different stuff. I mean, okay, David, let's fill it up with a bunch of different stuff. Let's make it, let's make it work. We can make this work, David. And God is saying, you can't, you really can't, because I'm down here where these stones are, and, and where I am, where I'm down here where you got circumcised, I'm down here where these stones are, and you are trying to make it work, and remember, it was working when you were right here, and I can be right where you are in your land if you would do what I told you to. I could be, see, get this, God had to come up from Gilgal because they were being disobedient where they were right there. Yeah. Who can break the covenant? Yeah, who made the See, God made the covenant. Only God. And he's not going to break it. He doesn't do that. But here's the thing. But we, because he's right there, he's remembering. You know, he's remembering. He's like, man, yeah, I did all these things. And, and then guess what God is remembering also? He's also remembering Joshua chapter 5, where you said through circumcision, I am yours, God. He's remembering Sulphur Springs right here where somebody in here or wherever you were when you got said, saved said, I am yours, God. Where is that person from 1980 or 1990 or whenever year you got saved? Where is that person? Where is that person? See, that's your Gilgal. 
but you've gotten older and you think you've gotten a little bit smarter and you think you've gotten a little bit wiser, but all you've done is gotten busier and guess what has happened? Even out of the 40-year Christian, even out of the 40-year Christian, we, we, well, you know, it's, it's just like that, the Aragopagus. You know, there was a bunch of gods, and then there was one that was unknown, right? And we put him in there with all of those other gods. We put him in there, and, we've, and, and, and we have a form of godliness, but we deny what he's actually done, or the truth, there it is. We have a form of it. And, and so Israel had a, f- they, they had Canaan, but they didn't have Canaan the way they were supposed to have Canaan. You see what I'm saying? They did not have Canaan the way they were supposed to have Canaan. They could have had Canaan, I mean, that's like us. We don't have church the way we're supposed to have church. Why? Well, we got to vote the bylaws in. Everybody's got to agree, or at least 70% of us, or whatever the percentage says, you got to do that. Then you got another percentage. Then, you know, we can't have church because we got eight committees to go through to get it all figured out first. Then we get all eight committees together, and then one of them can't agree, okay? And then they're like, well, I'll just go somewhere else. And now the family is dysfunctional and, and separated, and it's, it's like going to the— it, Sometimes having church is like going to buy a cow with three legs. It just ain't right. Yet we come in and do that. You, you see, I'm not saying it's just this, this church. We know where we are, and we're so much better than we were. I'm so much better than I am. I used to be. Y'all, I was terrible. I didn't realize how bad I was until God started teaching me some things through the people here in this church. And then that happened. There you go. Then that happened. He started teaching me, and I started getting wisdom from people. I had the congregation just showing me love and, and showing me, hey, Brother David, you know, this is, and, and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know. Y'all just don't understand how much I listen to you. And I do listen to you. Because God is speaking to me through you. You don't think the pastor can learn I had to remember, hey, remember now, David. I remember we could God God reminds me. Whenever I, I get to this point in my life and I'm like, God, what Lord, what am I gonna do with what am I gonna do? He's like, David, remember why I sent you. For you to learn and for you to teach. Now notice the order in which he told me that. For you to learn and for you to teach. And, and that's what's happening. But I can't rem- I can't I couldn't let the altars of everything else get built up in my life and get me distracted off of all of this other stuff. And see, this is what Israel did. And then when they came to the realization, when God finally told them, they wept. And it meant so much to them. Now, let's read the rest of the verse and then we're done. It meant so much to them. So they named the place Bochum. And there they sacrificed to the Lord. Bochum means weepers. When God gets you to that point where he reminds you in your winning battle that you left him a Gilgal and you recognize you're going to have to name your place something when you get back there again. 
But you're going to have to get to the point where those altars. But you, but you know what? Keep your altars and watch what God does to you. Because if you're saved and born again, watch what he does to you until you get where you need to be. Watch him. Keep pushing. I tell you what, don't get don't destroy your altars. Don't destroy them. Hold on to them. Your life's going to become a mess. And I, I, I'm not one of those guys that won't say God told you so. I will tell you to your face. God told you so. That's a guarantee. And it will happen. It just won't. It's not going to work. And you can keep trying all you want. You can work 80 hours a week and you'll never have enough money. You can get all the education you want. You'll never have enough. You can do everything that you want to do and it will not be enough because God has designed it a specific way for you and it's time for you to put your junk down and figure out what he's told you to do. He's told me. I know what he's told me. And let me tell you something. As nervously excited as I was to come in here, to, to pastor here, it took, I'm telling you, it took the power of God to really get me to understand what I was walking into. And not, I'm not talking about the people and all this stuff. There's some rough ones over there. Ah, pfft, who cares? I'm not afraid of anybody over there. But to come in and deal with the spiritual matter matters. That not only were here, but that I brought. You hear what I'm saying? So he, uh, he didn't have me just come in and clean your house. He came in and cleaned mine too and got rid of my altars too. And he's still working on it. And he's going to continue to do that. And I'm just, I'm getting enough sense now to realize, okay, God, I'm really going to get out of your way. Okay? Oh, I pray it happens. I, I feel less burdened now because I'm able to walk away from more stuff. Y'all don't know the pressure it's like when you got to, okay, you know, I, I was talking about my Mustang, right? And I, I enjoy that car. I'm thankful God has given it to me. But you know what? When I'm trying to add to it and keep it shiny and brand new and all this other stuff, that's more work I'm putting on. And I can't even enjoy the car because I want it to sit at home and be clean. <laughs> what kind of goofy sense does that make? Don't go in the sanctuary. You'll get it dirty. Let's worship out here in the foyer. And I can't enjoy it, you know, so guess what I do now? Rain, sleep, whatever, <laughs> grinding some gears. We're driving this thing today. I don't care who thinks it's clean or not. I am doing what, because God has blessed me with it, and, and it's for me to enjoy. If that's my Canaan, then I'm going to enjoy my Canaan the way he gave it to me. You see what I'm saying? If this church is my Canaan, then I'm going to enjoy my Canaan, but I, I may have to come in and get rid of some of the inhabitants. <laughs> you know what I mean. Y'all <laughs> know what I mean, right? Yeah, no, the thorn, they're not, and I'm not talking about the people, but the spirit has got to be right. You know what I'm saying? And you got to come in, you got to call them out, and you got to deal with it. Because either I deal with God, or I let the inhabitants continue to dwell here, and guess what's going to happen? And he'll never drive them out before me. I no longer will be with you. So y'all, you think I'm coming in here afraid of you? 
after I read that scripture, let me tell you something. <laughs> God, I want you to drive everything out. And notice he says, I won't drive them out before you. That means that he's already gone and taken care of it. All you got to do is just put it in the bag and put it in the dumpster. That's all you got to do. I've driven them out before you. I've gone and I've been, you know, he's the blade on the bulldozer. Okay? He's gone before the track. Right? I don't think I'm talking about one specific person or anything like that, but driving, but go in and do. And David, that includes you. Drive what's in you out. That means learn. Listen, there's a lot of knowledge and education and, and experience in this church. We better get it. Father, thank you. Bless the rest of this night. In Jesus' name, amen.